Hey, do you like movies? You do? Then I bet you're already very familiar with our friends over at Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. The company was started by cinephiles Joe Rubin and Ryan Emerson and was said to be, quote, perhaps the most important home video label in the world of genre film by the Alamo Draft House. Holy shit, that is one hell of an endorsement. A big part of that is because of a three-step process I lovingly refer to as the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an expansive film archive of over 500 feature films, and they also work closely with archival institutions like the Museum of Modern Art, the Academy, yeah, MoMA, the Academy Film Archive, the Library of Congress, UCLA, and the Walker Center. I can't even count how many of their releases have either never gotten a physical release or haven't been seen since the days of VHS. Many of these films look better than they have any right to look. My favorite thing about Vinegar Syndrome is that they have their own in-house lab, which they use to restore these films to all of their glory. I can honestly say that I have never seen any grain reduction or digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome was one of our first sponsors, and I'm overjoyed to say that they've stuck with us for five years. I'm still surprised we stuck around for five years, to be completely honest with you. uh, That we've stuck with each other. Yeah, I know. I really thought we'd be done after the first couple months in the first season. We're still keeping, baby! Yeah, we are. So check out their website today to pick up your copies of the Forgotten Jolly Collections 1, 2, and 3. Though one might be out of print, so if you see it, make sure you grab it. Satan's Blood, Fade to Black, a VHS favorite amongst a lot of cinephiles that was uh, unable to be released for a very long time. Taxi Girls, Don Coscarelli's Beastmaster, an HBO late night favorite. The 3D film Silent Madness, and the weirdo French Christmas horror film Dial Code Santa Claus, a.k.a. Deadly Game, and many, many more. Visit them today at VinegarSyndrome.com and let them know that the Shameless Picture Show sent you. That's right, VinegarSyndrome.com for all the cult, horror, exploitation, and vintage porn you could ever want. However much that may be. Yeah, exactly. Let's do something really different from our last episode and talk about a movie set in Texas that has a lot of sex in it. Okay. You notice, real quick, I should have mentioned this on the live stream, but I didn't. They were talking about having sex with a cow. Yes. In the last picture show. Yes. And okay. the person they were saying a heifer, I thought, oh, they're just talking about a fat no, woman. No, they but then, were talking about sleeping, having sex with yeah, a cow. Because, and the reason I put that together is because at one point they, you know, it's like, well, you know... Having sex with a heifer is better than having sex with her. It's like, oh. oh. I was, like, embarrassed that that line at the end of that conversation actually kind of brought it back around for me. I was really turned off by the whole conversation. And then when they dropped that line, I'm like, damn it, you brought me back. What was that line again? Uh, Something to the effect of, well, uh, having sex with her is better than having sex with a heifer or or vice versa or whatever it Mm -hmm. was, that punchline. It's like, shit. (laughs) It was funny. <laughs> no, that was funny. Like and like it shouldn't be, but it it it, it was. Um, <laughs> and it's funny. So like Peter Bogdanovich talked. I should have talked about all of this, but whatever. He actually talked about. Um, this is a continuation from the last episode. Right. Um, how he had to actually soften some of the characters because he said, um, you know, like they that they would 
more than just allude to it in the book. Oh, okay. Um, or like, um, you know, the, the the religious kid who was snuck off with right. that little girl right. that went farther in the book. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's like he had to actually soften some of these characters and, um, I guess, for lack of a term, make it a little more romantic or romanticized and yeah. a little less of a hard edge and... Um, I, God, this actually this would have been a good one to brought up. I, he talks I think about, I also, shook you so much from not liking it that that's all we talked about. He also talks about why he shot in black and white, and that was a, a suggestion from Orson Welles because um, he, he he really wanted to do like the deep lens focus that like Orson Welles cha- did in like uh, Citizen Kane. Yeah, but then like he said after talking with Orson Welles, he said he's like um, uh, he's like when you shoot in black and white. It's like you're not paying attention to how blue someone someone's eyes are or how perfectly blonde their hair is. It's like you care less about looks and you're more focused on performance because you're not being distracted by all the glitz and the glamour. Yeah. Um, so that's why he decided to shoot it in black and white. And apparently Peter Bogdanovich was so impressed by the performances. Normally a directing credit comes up first and then the actors. He didn't want to put his credit up until all the actors got credit. Nice. First. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like, I, I do think it was a great choice when working with a period piece in that, you know, it it kind of pulled it back into that era a bit more. Um, um, no, I, I thought the, that all of that was, was good. Yeah. Um, just didn't, didn't interest me. So how you doing, Nick? I'm doing great, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I told you I could fake this, and now I'm totally... That's nah, all right. We can just just say fucking and go straight into the episode. Yeah. So for those of you listening who maybe didn't listen to the last episode, me and Nick are coming off of... We're doing two episodes in a row. <laughs> so we did our kind of preamble on the last episode, and that's why we're so also we've continuing to... Up. Yeah, now we're con- kind of continuing to talk about the last picture show, but we, you know, we might just go straight into the movie, and you know, if things come up, things come up. I kind of like so, our preamble being talking about the last movie that we talked about. <laughs> I love it. The last picture show? Oh, the last sh- last time on the Shameless Picture Show. The last picture the, show. <laughs> the last little whorehouse in picture, picture show, show Texas. Texas. I it took me until now, but I finally thought of a of a uh, what segue into my name for last picture show that would have been amazing. A man who just needs to learn how to tackle. <laughs> that was a good one. Damn it! <laughs> just just need to figure out how to tackle. That's actually another little like running gag in that movie that I that was something that I enjoyed. <laughs> a gag in that movie that I really liked was was that, but like at near the end when Sonny was watching the game, yes, and they, he's he's like he's like, oh, when did you graduate? Last year. Huh. Oh, heck, really? Seems like a lot longer. <laughs> you guys didn't know your fundamentals, not like this team. <laughs> he's just sitting there hanging on the sign, like, thanks, Dick. <laughs> I know. And now for something completely different. <laughs> I'm actually really glad that I watched them in the order that I did. Because had I watched them in the opposite order, starting with the best little whorehouse in Texas, I think I would have liked Last Picture Show even less. Yeah, you definitely have to end with Little Whorehouse. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, I'll read my intro. You have to finish at the... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Warning! 
This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers and with me, as always, is a man who once threatened to knock me so flat I'd need to roll down my socks to shit. Nick Richards. (laughs) On today's episode, we'll be discussing a film that, as a kid, I thought was going to be a very adult film (laughs) and not a musical... The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Based loosely on the real-life chicken ranch in LaGrange, Texas, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas tells the story of Miss Mona Stanley, who runs a brothel called The Chicken Ranch. Mona is the current madam of the little brothel that could, and it's got a long-standing history, and it's a very open secret in Gilbert, Texas. As Deputy Fred says in the film, if you grew up anywhere in Texas, you knew at an early age that they were... uh, that they were selling something out there, and it wasn't poultry. <laughs> Ed Earl Dodd is the sheriff of Gilbert and does not interfere with Mona or the Chicken Ranch's business. Who is to interfere with a fixture that's been part of this town for decades? But he also has a relationship with Mona, so I'm sure that plays a part. Despite the Chicken Ranch being a big part of the town, and Miss Mona uh, donating sizable sums to public works, charity, and the community as a whole... A big city television host named Melvin P. Thorpe decides that he does not agree with the chicken ranch and decides to blow the whistle on live television in song form. <laughs> this puts the heat on the town of Gilbert, Miss Mona, and of course, Sheriff Ed Earl for allowing this to go on for so long. Will the chicken ranch close? Will continue to operate? To quote Rusty, Dr. Rusty Venture from the Venture Brothers, they can't sing forever. <laughs> The film is based on the Broadway play with the same name, written by Larry L. King and Peter Masterson, with music and lyrics by Carol Hall. Originally, King and Masterson were going to direct the screen adaptation, but Universal Studio executives were a little reluctant handing such a big-budget production over to two first-time directors. So Colin Higgins, who just came off the Dolly Parton film 9 to 5, was brought in to direct. The best little whorehouse in Texas would go on to be a financial success, and not was it not not only was it the number one movie in America, but it stopped E.T.'s six week run as number one. Wow. <laughs> Charles Durning was nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the Academy Awards. He played the um the governor. Okay. Who had that si- the amazing side step. <laughs> yep, song. and the hat move. Yep. Oh my god, that hat move deserved him an Oscar. But it was also nominated for best motion mo, best motion picture comedy or musical and best actress in a motion picture comedy or musical for Dolly Parton at the Golden Globes. Wow. <laughs> the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas was written by Larry L. King and Peter Masterson with some revisions by Colin Higgins, with music by Carol Hall, Patrick Williams, and two new songs by Dolly Parton. With cinematography by William A. Fraker. The film stars Dolly Parton, I'm giving her top billing, Burt Reynolds, Charles Durning, Jim Neighbors, and Dom DeLuise as Melvin P. Thorpe from 1982, directed by Colin Higgins. This is The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. The 
sheriff and Miss Mona for years have been red hot lovers and real good friends, but trouble snowballs like an avalanche at the Chick Chick Chicken Ranch. When Melvin Thorpe, a reporter of sorts, a self-righteous crusading fanatic, got on TV like you wouldn't believe and pointed a finger right at it. Exposing Miss Mona, accusing the sheriff, then it rose to a roar from a whimper. It got all out of hand, a fit hit the fan when Thorpe stirred up everyone's temper. The Chick 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 Chicken Ranch has been recouped in the song and dance, and I know you wouldn't want to miss the chance to come to the Chicken Ranch. It's foot stomping, rub pumping, sexy, good fun. Come on down and bring someone. There's good times and trouble and fiery romance at the best little Texas chicken ranch. Come on, partner. Y'all come back now, you hear? Working nine to... Oh, no, that's the other one. <laughs> I put a lot of oomph in That was, yeah. Well, deserving. This film is deserving. Yeah. Yes. I. So, Nick, I've seen this movie before. Okay. You have not. I have not. What did you think? About the best little whorehouse in Texas. I loved this little whorehouse. It was my favorite whorehouse of all of the whorehouses that I have experienced. Um, Which is a sizable list for those of you listening at home. Um, Sorry, Raina. <laughs> Dolly Parton is a fucking gem. She is the best. I'm like, real quick. She just also said for, for Dollywood that any employee... Who works for at Dollywood? If they want to pursue higher education, she will pay for their entire tuition, their books, and their housing. Holy shit! Go Dolly. Yeah. So, anyways, Dolly Parton's a gem. Yes. Um. So, so Dolly Parton is amazing. Um. And of course, I'm a sucker for anything that's this sex positive, uh, especially it's, when it came out in such a conservative time. It's not. It's 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 sex positive. It's sex worker positive. It's police positive. At the it's same religion time, religion positive. What the fuck? What what it really is like? The villain of this film are journalists, which I have a real problem with. In you know, from today's lens, especially being in a somewhat investigative journalism is the <laughs> is the devil. But I think more than that, it's the the. Um, judgment of sex workers that was the villain of the film you know it wasn't mm -hmm. just that he was doing investigative journalism it's that he this in much the same way as the ending of boogie nights when they were this you know family that burt reynolds was a part of in this weird sex world like this ending had that same kind of vibe to it where it was and not just the ending actually it, it kind of held through the entire film but they were this sweet little family that all looked out for each other and um sex work and burt reynolds <laughs> goes together like peanut butter and jelly <laughs> and all the uh, dolly parton's duet with burt reynolds when they first reveal that they've been sleeping together is phenomenal <laughs> the oh my I, I god love i love running that around song. with you or whatever it was. sing it to me honey <laughs> i like fancy frilly things high heel shoes and diamond rings ragtime bands and western swing and sneaking around with you well i like beer and rodeo Detective books and dominoes, football games and Cheerios, Cheerio. and sneaking around with you, sneaking around with you, going around the two, doing what lovers do. Whenever you're sneaking around, 
Yeah, and it, like it, like Burt Reynolds wasn't bad. He wasn't a bad singer in that no. in that song. But like, yeah, sneaking around with like, oh my god, like Burt Reynolds wasn't bad. But as soon as Dolly started just like belting it, I'm like, oh Burt, you can't compete. Also, her outfit in that scene, yeah. was something special. Apparently, from what I've read, that uh, so when Burt Reynolds was cast, he wanted some changes to the script. But he specifically requested that he wanted to sing. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> I know. I, like, I love you, Burt Reynolds. Uh, it, it's passed by the time you're listening to this, but we were recording this on February 11th, which is Burt Reynolds' birthday. Yeah, happy so, birthday, Burt. Oh, Burt Reynolds. Like he was always an actor growing up. He was a, um, a staple in my childhood, you know, smoking the bandit and yeah. so on. And I always really liked him. But as I've gotten older, he's become one of my favorite actors. Nice. Not only because, like, you know, in movies like this or whatever, where he's just charming and kind of fun. But then, like, you see him in more serious roles, and he's really fucking good. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. He has, um, his performances have aged very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part. I'm sure I say that, and there's some movie that I haven't seen or heard of or don't remember where he was awful and his performance yeah. did not age well, and somebody's going to call me out on it. But, um... From Until my then. recollection, my interaction with his performances. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my my initial thoughts, amazing. I loved it. Yeah, I I loved this movie too. Um, and like I knew uh, going into it, I knew I was gonna like because I have seen it, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Okay. And like honestly, like I just knew the reputation of the film, where it was like it's a, got a saucy title, a lot it's of got boy Burt Reynolds <laughs> trying to sing and everything. I just. I knew it was going to be, is going to be. I don't know. I I thought it was going to be. I was going to view it more like a black spot on Burt Reynolds' career, like not <laughs> not a bad way, but like I thought it was going to be very kitschy, kind of like Cop and a Half, which okay. I fucking love. Cop and a Half. Uh, Burt Reynolds and a kid being cops together. What's not to love? Um, <laughs> it's like Turner and Hooch, but the Hooch is a human. Yeah. But like you know, one Burt Reynolds is really good in this movie, but he's good in everything. Dolly, Dolly Parton's really good. It, she does a decent amount of acting, but it's mostly in her own productions. But like you know, you have this in nine to five, you sometimes forget how good she actually was yeah. because she was so natural in this film. But then like, so I've got a love hate thing for musicals. Um, some of them I I really don't like at all. But when they work, they work really well. And this is one of those cases where the songs were catchy. Um, it was legitimately funny, but at the same time, it also didn't like it didn't take the cartooniness too far. Yeah. Like Dom DeLuise as Melvin <laughs> P. Thorpe is a legitimately good performance. <laughs> right. Like it's you know yeah he's goofy and over the top but there are also times like where he's he's playing this character I forget it's Dom DeLuise yes and it's like I truly believe he's this character and it's like it works so well I love how we were introduced to that character also in the changing room as he's like he he's talking about like what he does and why he's so passionate about it and at the same time he's like putting on this girdle and then this like cod piece and then he pulls up his pants that are stuffed and he adjusts his 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 Jimmy Dean sausage as Burt Reynolds described it um really said so much about the character without any exposition yeah. i thought it was great writing texas got a whorehouse in it <laughs> 
but like that's also another thing. The songs were incredible. Yeah, I want to go back to um, you talking about Dolly's performances because there are two scenes that I'd like to point out in particular. Uh, one of them is you know, and I I said earlier that this film was sex positive and sex worker positive, and there was I think because it was so positive, the the moment where. Um, Burt Reynolds' character, uh, Ed Earl, uh, loses uh, Dolly Parton's trust is when he calls her a whore. And, or, mm-hmm. and, and he words it uh, of like, at least I'm not a whore, after she told him he had to grow up. And her reaction to that brought me to tears. It was, mm-hmm. it was like she's so strong and confident throughout the whole film, and then you see her so hurt. By, by a sentence and something that she seems relatively proud of and mm-hmm. and that she doesn't feel bad about but then because she doesn't view it as a negative thing but then he treats it as yes one. to see it's more of it, it's not that she feels bad about herself in that moment it's that she no longer trusts how he sees her mm-hmm. um, which I thought was spectacular yep and then I it's it's funny because like Normally scenes like this make me roll my eyes, and I'm I'm not a religious person at all. But their conversation about like that's where I'm God going and next. religion yeah. under the star, like it's like fuck, this scene is so good, and it, it shouldn't be. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, this might qualify as hot take. I think that scene is the most romantic scene I have ever seen in film or TV. Ever. Ever. Oh fuck! The way that I'm not saying I disagree. I just but but hot take, yeah, yeah. The way that they they're lying there under the stars. You've heard kind of the backstory of their relationship, where they are very intimate, but also totally Mm -hmm. unattached. Mm -hmm. What's so romantic about it to me is how they're both talking about their hopes and dreams. These two simple characters that are happy living in their small town where the most that the sheriff ever has to deal with is a mule sitting on somebody's car. Um, and everybody kind of respects the fact that there's this, you know, house of ill repute just on the outskirts of town. And, like, they respect her, and she comes into town to to donate. And they're like, oh, do you know? Yep, she's wonderful. Like, they're kind of in their own little bubbles and very happy to be there. And then when they're both lying there, talk and him talking about wanting to be in the legislature and her saying she used to want to be a ballerina, it was so intimate mm-hmm. in a way that I, uh-huh. I haven't seen before. And, but was, then also funny, too. It's like, I'm too top-heavy to be a ballerina. Right. And then there was also that line about him. I saw a picture of an alien once, had a bald head, and, and no pecker. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I wouldn't be interested in that then. And, like, <laughs> like genuinely, but also lighthearted. It was so, so perfect. Yeah. Like it, it, it's one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. Yeah. And, like, and this movie is, very, like, it's almost a shame this movie has got, like, I think this is a movie that over the last couple of years has really, like, has been coming back up. But there was a period of time where, because of the racy title and everything, this film was kind of looked down upon as being kind of a joke. Okay, there are um, a lot of boobs and butts in it. <laughs> yeah, I'd really, it's been interesting to kind of see, based on Letterboxd, just, like, that people are rediscovering this yeah. movie. And honestly, my first, I, I, I made a reference to it in my intro. The my first, like, I first seen this movie when I was a kid. But then, like the the 
first time as an adult having heard about this movie again was in the Venture Brothers. Okay. There, there is a scene in the Venture Brothers where um, Brock is watching the boys and Dr. Venture decides to stay in because he rented a racy little film starring Dolly Parton called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And Brock goes, uh, Doc, I don't think that movie's what you're expecting it to be. <laughs> and he goes, I know everything I gotta know. And then, like, it cuts to later on where Brock is, like, walking by and you get the opinion that, like, um, uh, Dr. Venture's been watching it for a while. He, he goes, Brock, I am this close to seeing Dolly's goods. I mean, they can't sing forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn they. <laughs> uh, here's a, a review from Letterboxd on this that I really liked. It, it was a four-star review. If you think I'm going to rate a wholesome, sex-positive, campy, homoerotic musical starring my unlikely angel Dolly Parton any less than four stars, that's where you'd be wrong. A treat every time. I saw that review and I was like, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, that was uh, David Brunner. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, was, I was about to read a review and I realized it's the one I wrote. <laughs> Some brilliant film critic has said... <laughs> Being on the Shameless Picture Show and being devastatingly handsome, I give this <laughs> film four stars. No, my exact review on Letterboxd was, if you aren't crying after Hard Candy Christmas, you have no soul. <laughs> hey, yeah, maybe I'll dye my hair. Maybe I'll move somewhere. Maybe I'll get a car. Maybe I'll drive so far they all lose track. Me, I'll bounce right back. Maybe I'll sleep real late. I can top that and sound like an idiot. Maybe I'll lose some weight. And maybe I'll clear my junk. Maybe I'll just get drunk and have wine. Me, I'll be just And then, uh, and then I also said that the sidestep is so damn catchy. Oh my god! And he does that hat move so many times. Oh I love where he puts it on sideways and then quickly rotates, even though the hat stays in place. So then it drops onto his head in the right when it's once they're mm-hmm. aligned. He does it so many times, and it's so great. And I also liked saying Papio Daniels' early work. Who? He was in um, Oh Brother, Where Out Thou. That actor mm, okay. as Papio Daniels, Flower Hour. He's okay. Politicking. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I, um, I don't know. This movie just put me in a really good mood. Like, yes. it's, like all the songs were really good. And like I said, that, that song, Hard Candy Christmas. So I found out after the fact that that movie, that was one of the songs that were in the original musical. Okay. When I was listening to that song, I was like, because like, I saw that it said additional songs by Dolly Parton. I said to Amanda, I was like, I'm willing to bet money that this was a Dolly Parton song because it just felt so different than the rest of them. Okay. And it just, it, it just honestly felt like a Dolly Parton song. And I was wrong. I would have lost that money. <laughs> but that is such a legitimately good song. Yeah. And then this this movie also reminded me, because I completely forgot about this, that I Will Always Love You is originally a Dolly Parton song. Yes. Yep. Like, before Whitney Houston redid it, that was a Dolly Parton song. So, and, um, so Raina and I were, t- during that scene, she was saying, oh, we should watch The Bodyguard. And I told her i've never seen that so that's one we did that i'll i'll add to our uh my shameless for us to do an episode on because i 
will always love you. <laughs> and then, like, just, like, when that scene, when that comes... Because, like, normally my issue with musicals is sometimes they'll sing and I'll just be like, why are we singing? Like, <laughs> right, why yeah. is this happening? <laughs> like, because sometimes it, there's some musicals where it almost feels like they stop the story to sing. And then it's like, okay, now we're back, yeah. Yeah, this one, very much like Phantom of the Paradise, or even, um, like, Sweeney Todd, which is one I really love. Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. This movie does what I really appreciate in a musical, where when emotions run so high that there's nothing else that you can do, then they sing, and it moves the story forward. You know, like, I feel like a lesser-than musical, they would, you know... Melvin P. Thorpe's song, there's you know, there's Texas got a whorehouse in it, would be its own thing, and then he would announce the world as you know, like you know, it'd almost be like a lesser than musical. He'd sing that song in, in like the back, you know, with with um uh Burt Reynolds and then go do his broadcast. But no, these songs work themselves into the story. Or like right. in the end when um Burt Reynolds goes to see Dolly at the chicken ranch before it closed, and they have that beautiful lighting coming in, and that's when she sings "I Will Always yeah. Love You." Like that, just felt like she didn't know how to put her words into in, into. She couldn't put her, she couldn't put it into words, so she just had to belt it out and sing. Yeah, that's what I like in a musical is when the songs feel an accompaniment. Like when we watched, um, what was that uh, uh, Judy Garland movie? We watched? Um, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. This like the, it was a fine musical. It was, it was fine, but for me, it's just like the songs just felt like like they had their story, and then they just kind of added songs in. And almost to me, there's some musicals where it just feels like almost like bad porn. <laughs> yeah. Where like here's your story. Oh, we just got to throw some sex in when the sex should be worked into the story. Right? Yes. You need so, to like, care you know, about nothing the against artistry. Maybe in Saint, <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing against maybe in St. Louis. It was a fine movie, but like. The songs just kind of felt tacked on. Yeah. Where in like something something like the best little whorehouse in Texas, it felt necessary. I going back to the song, um, and I'm sure I'm paraphrasing incorrectly, but uh, I I liked running around with you or sneaking around with you, sneaking around with you. That to me felt like felt authentically like the two of them as they were getting ready. For for their coital interactions, like that they were just having fun, kind of like I could imagine me and Raina doing that as you know, singing to each other in a playful way. It felt really authentic in a way that even when the music and musicals do work, it's like you're accepting that they're bursting out into song because you're in the context of a musical. That moment mm-hmm. felt authentic even outside of the context of a musical for me yeah and like i said burt reynolds wasn't bad in that scene no it was like kind of that talk singing but he pulled it off (laughs) yeah he said he worked for a couple months with a voice coach so like you know like it seems like he he it's almost like when you watch a bad actor like but uh, not like oh i cast my buddy steve in a role and he's not very good <laughs> like when there's someone who's been classically trained in acting who's just still not very good you know where like you can see the gears turning and you can see that they know how to build a good performance there they're just not craft. very good at it yeah there's craft yeah, there but they're they're just not very good at it that's actually some of my favorite acting cuz it's like you can see them trying yeah to me Burt Reynolds felt like he didn't just show up and said like okay we're going to sing this it seems very much like he took some lessons he was trying very hard yes. and he just wasn't a great singer yep. but you could see that he was trying yeah 
Which, again, in, in the context in which the song and the scene was set up, I think it worked perfectly. Like, you didn't need yeah. a brilliant singer for that. Even against the amazing Dolly Parton, like, their, their chemistry worked, and that's what you needed, not a, a second brilliant singer. Mm-hmm. I loved the bit with his tiny little Japanese slingshot panties, too. That was the, the way he, like... That's what the snap's for. The, the way that he, like, ran and jumped under the covers is like, nope, yeah, that's all you get. It was very cute and, and the, charming and, and made like, me fall in love exactly, with the two like, of them. You know, Burt Reynolds is effortlessly charming all the time. <laughs> I, I think so, like... Especially in pretty in without much a paddle. Oh, my God, I love him in Without a Paddle. <laughs> Did I ask you to talk? No. Come with me. I'll shoot your testicles off. And stop Mind him on my mantelpiece. That's going to be an ugly mantelpiece. Go on. That's it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in just cinema history. Yeah. And the- and it's because of how good he is in that scene. But what, what I just don't want to forget this. What I was going to say is, like, Burt Reynolds is just usually effortlessly charming. Yep. But then, like, so is Dolly in that yes. scene where she oh, was God, like, yes. like, I paid $25 plus shipping. I want to see you. Like, <laughs> she just gonna- seemed like... Like it didn't seem like she was acting at any point. It just felt like she's just living. She's just living Dolly World. Yeah, and I think don't uh, going back to what I said about that scene where he says, "At least I'm not a whore." I think what made it so devastating was that you did get the sense up until that point that he did respect her, regardless mm-hmm. of like that he did not judge her at all for this, and that they had this really sweet. Rel- I loved when. She said, well, I haven't slept with anybody but you, but I'm sure that's not true of you. And he's like, well, actually, you probably don't know this, but I, you're the only person that I've been with in the last three years. It was like, oh, my God, they love each other, and they just won't say it. <laughs> like, I was so yeah. wrapped up in their love story, which I made know. me furious at him when he said what he said. Well, like, at the beginning when they're, like, you know, saying they're – they're like, you know, like, you know, why get married? It just ruins the whole thing. And they're both kind of agreeing with each other, but you can tell deep down that yep. neither of them. Ag- it reminds me, actually, you know, like, you know, when you're like um, first starting a relationship and you're trying to make yourself seem like the best <laughs> possible version of yourself. Yeah. I remember when me and Amanda first got together and we were talking about like, you know, likes, dislikes, things like that. And we were talking about like food. And, you know, we're both like, you know, like, Full disclosure, I mean, people hate on it, but me and Amanda love McDonald's. It's just kind of like a, yeah. a comfort food thing yep. for us. No. But we're both like, you know, like, yeah, we both kind of like it. We don't have it that often. And, you know, we're because we're both lying to each other because we didn't <laughs> want to seem like, you know, we just ate like a fuck ton of McDonald's or anything. Um, and then it came out like later on that it's like, you know, we both love it. And it's like, that's how it felt with them. We're like, you know, like they wanted to believe in their heart of hearts that they didn't believe in matrimony and monogamy and all that shit. But they do. Here, they do. Here's my parallel version of that same story. Um, Tell me an embarrassing story about you and Rain. I've been telling embarrassing <laughs> stories about me all night. Um, so when we were first dating, um, I had this idea for a romance. What I thought was like a silly but still romantic like at-home date. So we were going to have a, an at-home date night. And I said, I'll take care of dinner. And... My concept was I would go to McDonald's and get, like, two 20-piece nuggets and, like, three large fries and then put them on my fanciest plates with, like, 
the sauce packets arranged, you know, so, so fancily. And I got it all set up and rain is almost here. And then all of a sudden this wave of doubt comes over me. I'm like, what if she thinks this is the stupidest fucking thing she has ever seen in her life? Like she's going to come in and like, I said, romantic dinner and you threw McDonald's on like your mediocre china and that's how you that's what you think i want and so then i start sweating i'm panicking she comes in she sees it and she is almost in tears because she thought it was so silly and romantic and perfect it was amazing it was perfect i love that story and now every once in a while is like a silly romantic thing i'll go get the same thing and lay it out real fancy and this like kind of family stuff you know we take them out Throw away all the boxes and packaging, so there's this, just this big bowl full of nuggets. <laughs> it's 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 your Mrs. Doubtfire move, right? Yeah, <laughs> man, Mrs. Doubtfire when she, when she fucks up the food and she just orders like Boston Market or whatever. Or the Donald Trump move when he has a sports team in the White House and just orders them all Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> or the Red Foreman move when he fucked up dinner and just bought KFC and. You know, arranged all nice on the plate, and Katie's like, "Oh, this is really good." And he, and he goes, "I didn't overcook the chicken." She's like, "Where'd you where'd you hide the bucket, Red?" <laughs> I love how many pop culture references we were able to rattle off with with, with that same concept. I'm, you know, I'm just going to admit it here on the podcast. I fucking love fast food. Fuck off. I, here's so here's like, the thing. I, I, I pay like, attention to, and you know me, I pay attention to food and movies, anyways. Right. I I love cooking. I love mm-hmm. going to fancy-ass restaurants and ordering the most pretentious shit on there and being like, ooh, I can detect tints of rosemary. Mm. And is that like... Shitamin. Yeah. <laughs> I I also like um, holes in the... Like, I like finding holes in the wall with the best, you know, diners, drives-ins, and dive style on, on my own. We've both said we think that he's actually probably a pretty good person and doesn't deserve all the shit he gets. He's a classically trained French chef. Right, right. But then he made donkey sauce. Yeah. You know, man likes what he likes. But the same thing with me and Amanda. Like, we, um, you know, for Valentine's Day, we're going to a really nice upscale Korean restaurant. You know, it's going to be really expensive. But then, like, we're both stupidly excited for, like, after a hockey game, we're going to go to, I don't know if you've ever been, but in Milwaukee, there's a place called Real Chili. Uh, No, I'm not familiar. They kind of make, like, a Cincinnati style, but I think theirs is better. Okay. Where it's, um, you know, bed of pasta, uh, beans on their own, and then they put, like, their seasoned ground beef on top of it, and then just, like, a fuck ton of cheese and onions, and it's, like, we're both stupidly excited for it. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, uh, something that I, uh, have been doing with the kids late, now it's just turning into a cooking, uh, and fast food podcast. Yeah. Uh, what I've been doing with the kids lately, it blew their minds. Uh, I covered the dining room table with aluminum foil, took mm. Cool Ranch and nacho cheese Doritos and poured them out and mixed them up. And then I topped it with, like, cheese sauce, shredded cheese... Beans, corn, mm. chopped up steak, sour cream. And so it's just on the table in a big heap. And then we all sit around it and eat tabletop Doritos nachos. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm all for this. But so I, where I was going with that is so I do like food. I like cuisine. I like 
interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I like seeking out the interesting. But then, like, there's a reason why McDonald's is as popular as it is, is because it's like cocaine for your tongue. It's like it it triggers all of those happy things in your brain. And so, the fuck happy yeah, it's good. Meals. Yes, of course it's good. Of course we want it. And it's cool to indulge in that kind of thing. I really liked when Jamie Oliver was pushing his, like, you can eat really well thing. He's like, we got McDonald's every once. Like, as long as you're treating it like a treat and not your diet, fuck yeah, enjoy Mm -hmm. that cheeseburger. Yeah, fuck yeah. Because, you know, there's people who have, you know, who are real eat really healthy and they still eat like shit like i have friends who are vegan and they eat nothing but vegan junk food all the right time. yeah that, that it's... No, so but very much like crack for your taste buds or crack for your brain dolly parton's music oh man we're bringing back some <laughs> i think we took a lot wrong turn somewhere we need to get back on the freeway of yeah. this conversation so we, we were talking about like they're um and sneaking around with you and how they're both like you know trying to pretend like they were against marriage, but it turns out they were both really, really for it. And like I said, it's like, I, I also just loved watching Burt Reynolds like process, like as his character of Ed Earl, where there's, there's, there's layers. So like when, when he hears about Melvin P. Thorpe and you like, okay, like, you know that him and Dolly are fooling around, and you probably think that it's going to become a romance of some sort, but you don't really know. Yeah. But so you're like, okay, he, he doesn't want this to end because, you know, he doesn't want Dolly's business to get fucked up because she actually does help the town a lot. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it looks bad on him that he's a sheriff that's been letting his illegal activities happen. But, like, but realistically, like, he's doing all this because of how much he fucking loves her. Yeah. You know, we we've brought up over and over again that we both... Uh, love rom-coms and Mm -hmm. we always go into the hypothetical of like well i don't like rom-coms well then make one that you do like like i would point to the best little whorehouse in texas as an incredibly funny rom-com like this is this is a romance at its heart Mm-hmm. And it's so sweet. Their chemistry is off the charts. Yeah, like honestly, their chemistry is so good. Like I imagine, like, and every time that they called cut, that like they would just start fucking. <laughs> like that's how legitimate it seemed. But like I also love seeing Dolly Parton in this role too, because like so while she is a really religious person and has a lot of good ethics and good morals, I remember hearing a story with her one time where, as a little girl. There was a woman in, in the small town that she grew up in who was who, who was a prostitute. Um, and her, you know, she had like big blonde hair and wore tight clothes and was really chesty and everything, very much like Dolly Parton's look. Yeah. And she, Dolly said, "Is like I thought she was the most beautiful woman I ever saw." My oh. mom would always tell me, "Like don't look at her. She's you know she's less than you. She's yada yada yada." And Dolly said, "I was so taken back by her. She's like I based my entire look off." Her. Oh. So it's like, there's, of course, Dolly Parton's in a fucking movie about a whorehouse. Yeah, there's so much in that. Because she did say she was a little reluctant about doing it at first. Because she's like, you know, her image and everything. But then she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I, I'm so glad she made that decision. And similar decisions as she as her career continued, I think. Um, what is allowing her to still be so relevant based on the type of entertainer she was back then you look at uh, her contemporaries and like what are their careers like today like she is still culturally significant 
Yeah, and, people don't know like Linda Ronstadt right. the way that they know yeah. Dolly. People, you know, people who know music or whatever probably know who Linda Ronstadt is, but like the average person probably not. Right. You know, they like the average person the name, but yeah, the average person probably knows Willie Nelson. Yeah, who was apparently in talks at one point of being in the Burt Reynolds role, which this would be a very different movie. <laughs> um, but like you know, like she is like you know. My unapologetic love for Loretta Lynn, the coal miner's daughter. People don't know her the way that they know Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. And they had just – they were just as, as significant. They had just as big of careers. Yep. Um, you know, granted, Loretta Lynn never had a theme park. <laughs> but, you know, she – one could argue that she is one of the biggest country stars of all time. But you, you mentioned Loretta Lynn. People are like – I. I you know, I think I know who that is, but you mentioned Dolly Parton. Even people don't know her, her song. Like, oh, I know Dolly Parton. She has a charisma that I would put on par with, um, uh, like Cindy Lauper. Like, yeah, I a, fucking love a Cindy charisma Lauper. that is undeniable. That you just look at them and you need to be spending time with them, it, even if it's on a screen. And her her charisma and even her music transcends genre. Yes, absolutely. Because like. Cindy Lauper, I unapologetically love pop music. Yeah, but Cindy Lauper's music transcends pop music. Yeah, people absolutely. who don't like pop music like Cindy Lauper. There's punks who like Cindy Lauper. Mm-hmm. There's you know uh, hardcore music nerds who like Cindy Lauper. There's the common person who likes Cindy Lauper. Dolly Parton does the same thing. Yes, because Dolly Parton has transcended the country genre. Absolutely, and that's hard to do. Like. People who don't like country music fucking will bop to Jolie. <laughs> As you know. the best little whorehouse in Texas uh, transcends the rom-com. Yeah. I think it transcends the musical as well. Yeah. Because, like, while it's definitely a music-heavy film, I don't feel like it overdoes it. It doesn't overstay its welcome. So much so that from what I, I read that they actually had to cut songs out of the original – from the original production – to make room for it. like okay um and like i said the songs that they had felt really well placed mm-hmm. and you know i keep going back to the sidestep song i've been singing that song <laughs> for a while and then like i said i i think hard candy christmas is one of the best songs in this movie well that one i think i with that song in particular i got in the first watch through i got put unnecessarily hung up on what does hard candy Christmas mean? Like, I, I was Who like... cares? And, like, so that prevented me from engaging with the song until, like, Raina's like, oh, I can doodle that, and she explained it to me. I'm like, okay. And then, so, for the back half of the song, I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm here. So, what, is it, what does it mean? Tell so, me. Uh, it is, a like, a rough time, a rough period, um, like a Christmas in which all that... Uh, your parents can afford to give you is like penny candy or hard candy. Oh, see, I kind of put that together because I, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I can wrap my mind around that. You know, no one likes hard candy. Like um, I assumed, I, I I could infer its meaning from the context of the song, but I wanted to know why hard candy Christmas meant that. Like what mm-hmm. the specific connection was. It's funny though. Like like I said at the beginning, like I would have pegged that as being like a Dolly song, and part of the reason being is like the only movie she makes really anymore are like her like independently produced like Christmas movies. Yeah, right. So I was like, oh, Hard Candy, that that's a Dolly that, song. That checks out. <laughs> yeah, 
One of my favorite stories I've heard recently. So Dolly Parton and Miley Cyrus are really close. Okay. That, um, that makes sense. And mainly because, like, back when Hannah Montana was on, Dolly Parton played, like, her, her like, aunt or something oh. in the show. So they, they were really close. And, and one, I fucking love Miley Cyrus. No, like, just flat stuff. Yep. She's fucking great. Um, her new album is killer. Is it, I um, haven't heard much of it, but I do like her. Her new album is killer. I recommend everyone go out and listen to it. Um, but um, she said two of her musical idols were what is Stevie Nicks and Dolly Parton. Nice. And she said she's learned a lot from Dolly Parton. She said, and I, I love hearing Miley's stories about Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton doesn't have internet. She doesn't have. Um, she just has like... an entire imagination library. Yeah, so Dolly Parton, she said, if you want to send Dolly Parton something, like, she said she's got internet on the property, but not in her house, <laughs> so like, you have to, like, if you send her an email, it goes to, like, her team, and then they walk it up to the house. Oh. <laughs> um, so what Dolly will do is she'll she'll send faxes. <laughs> Dolly Parton has a fax machine in her house. And apparently, like, in one of Miley's songs, Dolly Parton sings a couple verses, and she said Dolly recorded it on a tape. And mailed it to her, <laughs> and then like apparently some some story like stories that uh, apparently like in like the news or whatever Miley was like seen outside wearing like sweatpants or some shit. <laughs> she said, uh, you know, I was photographed. I was like drinking like a coffee or something. I had sunglasses on, sweatpants. You know, I wasn't looking great. And she said the first person to call me was Dolly, <laughs> and and uh, she said Dolly called me because she was like Miley what have I told you you can't be seen out in public not looking your best cuz people are going to that's how people are going to judge you it's like and she's like she said you could go out in designer sweatpants and full makeup and Dolly Parton would still think that's dressing down cuz she said Dolly Parton doesn't go out in public unless she is Dolly yes yep <laughs> and I was like man I fucking love that one <laughs> right she seems like she and you know you you never know, so it's easy to fall in love with celebrities and then find out that their persona and who they are as a person don't match. But she seems like such a big-hearted, generous... Now, that might be that her breasts are so large that you assume that there's just a giant heart that's pushing them so far out. She's a time war. She's got two hearts. That's why they're so big. <laughs> exactly. Um, God, I wish Dolly Parton was a time war. That would be the best four seasons of Doctor like... Who. <laughs> First things first, be honest. How do I look? Um, different. Good different or bad different? Just different. Am I ginger? At one point, just in one episode, just like the TARDIS opens up and just die like, howdy y'all! <laughs> I'd lose my shit, I'd start watching Doctor Who again. And, and you know that you would immediately say, they're bitter on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you mic drop okay. i'm out <laughs> but no i see what you're like you know you don't know you could think someone's a great person and then find out like oh that per like I hate to use his name but bill cosby yeah you right know, bill cosby it's, was absolutely. america's dad forever absolutely. and then you're like wait bill cosby did what yep um so i i try to temper that reaction whenever i have it but she does seem genuinely uh a really beautiful person yeah, and you know this this episode is a complete stark contrast to our last episode, which was filled with so much negativity. This one I'm is filled sorry. with just love for Dolly Parton, and 
The last think, picture show would have been so much better with Dolly Parton. So much so that when they completely re- remade it, added Dolly Parton, Burt Reynolds, and music. Uh, well, the first one had great music. But <laughs> when they totally remade it, it was flawless. I think this is just a a remake of The Last Picture Show. It's a remake of The Last Picture Show with everything that you wanted it in. Yes. You know, it's a sequel to The Last Picture Show. Uh, Mona is JC, and she's grown up quite a bit. Yeah. She's used her family's oil money to invest in the chicken ranch. Uh, Dwayne is probably Ed Earl. Um uh, Deputy Fred is Sonny. <laughs> she said that she loved him since she was 16. Yeah, see? I love it. I This is my new hardcore fan theory. I, I believe this to be canon. This is my favorite fan theory you've come up with <laughs> since that horses are the true uh, <laughs> enemy in Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I told my mom about that. She's like, he said what? <laughs> Watch it again and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I agree with you. I, those harsh, not harsh, those stern words were directed at your mother. Mom, if you're listening, if you figured out how to listen to this, well, of course, you're eventually going to figure out how to listen to this because you asked me to show you how to listen to this show. Um, rewatch Gone with the Wind. Horses are the enemy. Nick says it. They they kill so many horses in that movie. And Do- horses are the cause of so much, so much of their tragedy. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? This is going to be a shorter episode, y'all. It is. We're sorry. It's one of those... We've had a few of these, and I always... We we decide the episode that we're going to do. We watch the movie, and then, like, you can't bail. You can't go, you know what? We're not going to do that. Because there Mm -hmm. are a few movies that, like, I love, but they're not necessarily, like... Let's do a deep dive on the, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And they tend to be ones that I want to gush over. Because mm-hmm. I'm so busy gushing that I'm not thinking about, like... Yeah, th- this is not a deep dive. This is just a fucking love for Best Little Whorehouse. And the reason I think that's okay is because Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is a movie that not many people are talking about. It wasn't a... a it was a musical made in the 80s. Yeah. It was also one of the most successful musicals made in the 80s. And it's a movie that I truly think is ripe for rediscovery. I, I completely agree with that. I would, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm feeling safe to say that the best little whorehouse in Texas is shameless approved. Yes. All right. Yes. So far, so far this season, we've had mostly shameless approved. Yeah. The Birdcage. Approved. Shameless Picture Show approved. Boogie Nights, 100% Shameless Picture Show approved. The Last Picture, last picture show? show? Not, not so much. It is from me. It is not from Nick. It's and Michael Byers approved. The best little whorehouse in Texas is Shameless Picture Show approved. I should have Amanda make up, like, some stamps. A little, yeah, clunk. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love this movie. Now I I borrowed my borrowed my mom's DVD copy. I'm gonna have to buy my own. Nice, beautiful. I had to rent both of them today. I spent gave Amazon eight dollars today to watch both movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, eight dollars is cheaper than you would have bought them. Oh, before. totally. Totally. Um, you should have just signed up for a free trial of Showtime. That's where I watched the Last Picture Show. Pretty sure I already did that for a movie not too long ago in order to do that and then canceled no. it right away, so I don't think I can sign up for another trial. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I always try to like 
find movies that are streaming, but we both just kind of picked without thinking and yeah. didn't do any research. No, we we rent movies all the time through that kind of thing, yeah. so it's it's normal expense from, all right. from so, my side. Audiences, if you guys are listening, which I hope you are, please <laughs> tell us... Um, what did you think about the last? Not the last picture show. What did you think about the last picture? What did you think about uh, the best little whorehouse in Texas? Is it the best little whorehouse in Texas, or is there something better? Have, have you be? been to a better whorehouse in Texas? Do they sing? <laughs> um, and then also tell me your favorite song and why it's Hard Candy Christmas. Yes, or the sidestep. <laughs> Or sneaking around. God damn, every song in this movie is good. <laughs> Send us video of you doing that hat trick that uh, the governor did. I'm going to put it out right there, this right now. If anyone can do a good version of that governor hat trick, the first person to send us the, a good one, get some free swag. Yes. Yes. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, extra points if you sing sidestepping while you do yes. it. You don't have to do the whole just, song. Just, just give me a couple verse. bars. Yeah. yeah, just give me a couple bars of sidestepping. Uh, that would be great. And um, yeah, just, you know, we need more Dolly Parton musicals. I'm really hoping that Dolly Parton shows up in the second part of the final season of Grace and Frankie. Yes. Because then it would be a 9 to 5 reunion. Oh, beautiful. So I think that's all I got, Nick. What do you right. think? Well, I think if you're not down with that, I've got two words for you. Watch, Watch movies. <laughs> the Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Byers. Today's episode was edited by Nick Richards. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed. The shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Byers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.